Welcome to the second episode of Wandering Minds, Meet the Author, a Wandering Minds publishing podcast series where I, Felicity Anderson, get to know our authors on a more personal level and discuss their upcoming releases. In today's episode, I interview author Rachel Balke ahead of her debut release of Lisa of the Alpha Line, a young adult supernatural love story where our main characters, Lisa and Nikolai, bridge the gap between their island home supernatural communities to take on the oppressive appointed, threatening their homes with indoctrination and now violence. Lisa of the Alpha Line is available in paperback and ebook on March 29th, 2023, online at wanderingmindspublishing.com slash bookshop. Pre-order now. Hi, Rachel. How have you been since I've last spoke to you? Um, really good. I am just looking forward to the book coming out. So that's a high that is keeping me going. Now, of course, that book is Lisa of the Alpha Line coming out March 29th, I believe, on a Wednesday. We typically like to release things on Wednesdays. So very excited about that. So for those that who have not heard of your book, can you give us a little background on about yourself, first of all, as the author, and then pivot transition into a quick summary of the book? So a little bit about me, kind of stereotypical. I've always loved writing, but it actually took me a really long time to let people read what I've written because that's such a vulnerable state to be in. It's like you put your heart and soul on a piece of paper and you don't want people to hate it. So I was able to overcome that by doing writing groups. And I'm so glad I did that because it led to me actually trying to get my stuff published. So Lisa of the Alpha Line centers around Lisa, who's 17 year old. She is a werewolf and she is sick and tired of the appointed bullying her people and the other people that live on her island and it is about her adventure just taking care of business to protect her pack and then subsequently the rest of the people on the island and through that journey she meets the love of her life grand friends and honestly has to come up against some really hard truths Indeed. And I would describe the book as loyalty, protection, adventure, love. It's it's really the fact that you explore these different themes makes it a rich read because, you know, a lot of times we might have an adventure book where it, it gets a little stale because it's just one note. But I think that's something that you do a good job of avoiding in your text. So I commend you on that. And I'm very excited for everyone to get a chance to read it soon. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> so for anyone who had just heard about this book and they're a little bit interested, but they're on the fence, how would you describe the ideal reader? Someone who you particularly think would enjoy this read? So I think the ideal reader is someone who likes the fantasy adventure world because the, all these elements play like little parts almost. Like you get the supernatural element, you get the adventure element. There's a sprinkling of love. So if you like romance, it's still a story you can enjoy. But if you don't like romance, it's not overpowering. So again, mm-hmm. you can still enjoy it. 
I agree. As personally speaking from from the reader side of myself, not the professional side of myself, romance is something that I typically don't read all that often. And I 100% agree with what you just said. It's not overwhelming or it's not aversive to to someone who like myself who doesn't seek that type of material out. I agree with you on that mixture and in that balance, that healthy balance of themes. Yeah, same. I'm not really a romance person either. So I feel like what's in my story is a bit more organic, even though mm-hmm. there is still magic. It's not like I'm choking on the sweetness or the smut or whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and of course, there's that magical element that you're alluding to. And when readers read that, that magical element itself is a huge reason why we have this healthy a balanced pace to the story because, of course, the characters are encountering this strange phenomenon that is really a, a way of making sure they have to take their time and getting to know each other because it's a little overwhelming if they don't. Yes. Uh, and I also feel like that's kind of a cop out <laughs> too as a writer, just being like they love each other because magic it's like well yes because magic but then they're also compatible like it works yeah yeah Yeah, and i and i wouldn't i wouldn't um minimize uh the story to that i I think as someone who has read it that i i know that authors can be critical from their perspective but i would say as a reader it doesn't translate as that so i wouldn't worry about too much about that because there is that while there is that magical element that keeps them interested in because of course they meet up in circumstances that otherwise they never would have met each other and of course this magical sensation uh makes the journey a bit longer which you know helps them get to know each other in the end organically yes so how many stories did it take before you ended up with this book um Kind of surprisingly, only one. Um, This has been the story since I first came up with it. It just took a really long time for me to actually complete it, to give it a beginning, middle, and end. How long did that take? Oh, so I started it in 2011, and it is now 2023, so... Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, Lisa is old. Yeah, she's she's definitely getting on up there now. Um, It all started because my English student teacher let us do the vocab words as a story, Mm Mm-hmm. And it just like the whole thing, it was actually Lisa and Nikolai meeting. That was the whole like two page that I came up with. And then I just went from there. Yeah. And what about this particular story did you grab onto and be able to hold on to for all these years to to commit to finishing it? It was something that actually interests me, which is Mm kind of weird to say, because you think if you were a writer, everything you wrote would interest you. But I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many, like two or three pages of things I started, but then was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would stop and then rinse, Mm -hmm. lather, repeat. This is the only story that I come back to and work on and be 
like, yes, I know what I want to do with this. I know where this generally is supposed to go. So I was able to stay focused. Yeah. So how has the transition from writing as a hobby to getting ready to publish your first book impacted the way you view your writing? Um, it has definitely made me more, uh, I'm trying to think of the right words here, I guess more calm about it. Um, mm-hmm. because like this particular story, it's taken me a really long time to write. So it showed me there's really no pressure of what you're writing to if you want to be published when it happens it'll happen so I want to hang on to that feeling for any other project I start so I don't feel like oh well you gotta do the thing mm-hmm. and speaking of which do you have other stories you're working on or other concepts that you're exploring right now I actually found a notebook of mine um from the same time period of like 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. of a story that I started that's a good five or six chapters in, and I love the beginning. Nice. No idea what I was doing with it, though. So I really want to sit with it and try and outline it and really work on it because patting myself on the back, I think it's a great beginning. <laughs> What's the genre and the theme of it? Oh, so you can kind of tell during that time period, I was really in a niche. It also involves some werewolves, but the main character is like your normal average girl. So it's just mm-hmm. a human, but she does come across some werewolves and it's set back in Tennessee, like where I grew up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'd be really fun just for me to write because I'm like, these are real places and I know the Jiffy Burger. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's actually a very... I love when authors use that as a basis for the writing and the world building, because I like to have these one-on-one conversations to get to know the author a little bit more and to establish more of like a personal insight. And when you use these real places that you're familiar with, it's kind of like that window into the writer. Because oftentimes when we look at a book, I mean, just think of walking into a bookstore, right? And there's shelves and shelves and lines and lines of books. Each of them has a name on it. And we often look past that name, but each name attached to it has, you know, all these life events that happened just between starting the book and ending the book. Now, I won't get too uh, philosophical with this. I just wanted to to dip my toes into the idea, but I just wanted to mention that I I would love to see how, how that would go. Uh, Stephen King is one of my inspirations and even though like dairy isn't real it's based on a real place and I would love to be able to write like that Mm -hmm. now I have this one question here and since it took you 11 years to work on this book I assume that there will be quite a bit that you could fit into the answer here but jumping off of that little brain experiment thought I just had with the bookstore. When someone writes a book, it takes time and often it coincides with big life changes and events due to the fact that it's oftentimes a stretch of time. So what are some personal challenges that you experienced between starting the book and ending the book that you overcame? Uh, Well, I don't know if you'd call it overcoming because I'm still growing, but just generally growing up 
Like I mm-hmm. started this when I'm a teenager. Um, my birthday is on the 18th of this month and I will be 30. So learning how to continue to do your passions while being a quote unquote grown up is a very big challenge, but I think I'm doing it. Yeah, that's actually a really good answer because especially with with writing in this genre, because a lot of these stories and themes are still tapping into like our, our inner child passions and all of the material that we grew up with, whether it be, you know, Harry Potter or Rick Roy Warden series, uh, Twilight even. I'm curious about if you could expand on that a little bit. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're still growing. What was, was there like a particular time where you saw a shift in your life where you really felt like now I can be that writer? I can, the time is now. So it wasn't so much the time is now. It's I finally allowed myself to be like, just, you know what, go for it. And if mm-hmm. you fail, you fail, but at least you did it kind of thing. Cause that was my thought process when I entered the uh, writing workshops with the library. Cause like I said, I was terrified of real life people seeing my work and being able to put like my face to that work because I had kind of posted some stuff like anonymously on DeviantArt before Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like they don't know me so if they think it's crap it doesn't matter so taking the big step of just being like go for it it's gonna be okay that's how I got through it (laughs) perfect so I've asked most of the questions I have regarding your writing journey for this particular book, Lisa of the Alpha Line, and coming out March 29th. Keep an eye out. Oh, I also meant to say, actually, uh, fellow March baby here, my birthday was on the 11th. So happy early birthday. And happy belated. <laughs> Thank you. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and these are going to be more personal side of things that are maybe adjacent or not connected to writing as much. So first, I want to ask is who has been the biggest supporter of your writing? Um, so like I said, because I didn't share it so much, I think I got that support from the close-knit writing group that I made because within mm-hmm. that workshop, there was a handful of people who would meet on the side to workshop like novels they were writing instead of just doing the one-off assignment the teacher gave us Uh so I really got a lot of support through them and then once I finally let my mom read it she is like the lightning McQueen fan thing that's going around on TikTok right now like Mm -hmm. so she is super into it but it took a while for me to let my mom read it (laughs) Yeah, and that's interesting because a lot of authors, maybe most of them, if I had to guess, have their family or friends read their work first. But you had uh, kind of acquaintances or strangers through this workshop read it first. So, you know, how does that how does that feel to have your work evaluated by more or less a stranger compared to to someone that you're close to? For me, it's 
easier to take the criticism and it's not to say that the people I personally know would be like super mean or something like that mm-hmm. it's just when you personally know people really well and you share with them something you worked really hard on and they don't like it it's almost like a more crushing blow mm-hmm. so when I shared it with basically these just acquaintances who did eventually become my friends it was like well, like they don't know me, so it's okay. (laughs) Real quickly, just one last question on the workshop. Is there any particular type of criticism that your writing received that stood out to you that you have since improved upon? Um, so weirdly enough, it was like a technical standpoint. I have a really bad problem of switching tenses and not realizing it. And it would be like in the middle of the sentence and they would just be like, Rachel, you got to read it back. Like, I'm so sorry. That's an interesting one. Uh, And also something I've seen in some of the work that I've edited with other authors here. And something that I don't think we talk about enough that is, I would say it's pretty common, but yeah, it's definitely something that I encounter quite a bit that no one really mentions. So that's a great one. Yeah. You think it would be so obvious because talking, you Mm -hmm. say it the right way, but for some reason, when you're writing it down, you're all of a sudden past, present, or back to past the ground. Somehow we're like, the present perfect prefect whatever (laughs) yeah so is there anyone particular from that workshop either someone who was in the workshop or someone running the workshop that you wanted to acknowledge um well I got four peeps they were my uh main little group where we all worked together on our perspective novels so Ursula Gary Corrine and Kathy And those are the ones that you shout out in your dedication page, right? Yes, which I don't think they know about. So (laughs) I can't wait for them to see that. (laughs) No, that's the best way is because I'm assuming that they can't wait for your book to come out. Oh, yeah. They're all excited. (laughs) Everyone that's listening, you should be able to go to wanderingmindspublishing.com right now to the bookstore and pre-order Lisa of the Alpha Line. If you want to go ahead and secure your copy ahead of time, Otherwise, if you're listening to this after it has come out or you want to wait till it comes out on the 29th of March, then, uh, of course, you can still find it there at wanderingmindspublishing.com in the bookshop available on uh, in a uh, paperback and also an ebook version as well. All right. So what are some key media that shaped you, certain books, movies, video games that influenced the, the things that you write about, things that you enjoy? Um. So I grew up with the Redwall series by Brian Jacquois, I think is how you say his last name because he is French. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was talking animals that go on adventure. So I've always loved the supernatural and magical elements. And then also, like I said before, I'm super into Stephen King. Mm-hmm. So he covers any and everything that man like i devoured the gunslinger series when i learned about it which was like way late in the game but um it basically anything that is supernatural i've probably consumed it in one way or another and definitely used that in my writing mm-hmm. And 
what are some other things that you do outside of writing that you enjoy? Um, I like to dance um, and weirdly be an adult and finding dance classes is super hard. I don't know why they cap that at children because mm-hmm. yes. I like hip hop. Come on. Let me Ooh. just crunk. Like, um, I also like to just watch movies. We're big cinephiles over here. So a most any new movie that had come out, we usually plan to go see it or somehow get our hands on it. So there's not very many movies we haven't seen. Wow. And I also like arts and crafts. I do a lot of self-taught stuff. So I've kind of learned how to crochet, kind of learned how to knit, kind of yep. do cross-stitching. I just dabble. Yes, I'm, I'm very similar to you in that way. I love crafting and making things with my hands. So I, I always wanted to get back into weaving because I did it as a kid in an art class. And the teacher I lost- I want to learn that so bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, the, and the teacher lost my the art project I was working on for the weaving. And I've been thinking about it since then. That was probably elementary school. So oh, now that we no. have- Yeah, we have, a, we have a 3D printer now. So I'm thinking about printing like a loom. And starting that again. But other than that, I, I've also, I did some woodworking, which I did stab through my hand the other week. Uh, it is better now, but it was quite the experience. I can't do anything uh, hot or sharp or I will hurt myself. <laughs> want to ask you, I know, I always think it's a horrible question to ask people about your all-time favorite things, including like favorite movies, because it must be extremely hard. At least it's extremely hard for me to answer those things. But if you had to pick just a handful, maybe like three that you just really like in general, they don't have to be your favorites, but where would you, what would you place in that list? Okay, so hands down, all-time favorite movie is Labyrinth with David Bowie as the Goblin King. My husband's named after that. His name's Jareth. I love it so much. Yeah, I have like a big calf tattoo dedicated to the labyrinth. So hands down, favorite of all time. And then that's where it gets to after labyrinth. It depends on the day that the rest of the list could change. Yeah. So again, series wise, favorite all time is Redwall. And weirdly enough, not a lot of people I've met know about it. They're amazing books and they're like big chapter books. And even though I read them in elementary school, they're wildly entertaining. Like you should Mm -hmm. just pick it up and try it out. So good. Um, Then my third category would probably just be anything Disney related. I'm 100% a Disney adult. And I couldn't pick just one of those. So overarching Disney category. So you mentioned Disney and I'm going to throw a a movie out there that I think I'm pretty sure is Disney. And if it's not Disney, I'm sorry. But it's also not what you would typically think when someone's about to say a Disney movie name, but uh, Holes. Oh, yeah, that was Disney. Yeah. Thoughts. I love it. I do too. D I G. 
Yep. I, uh, I grew up with that. It, I grew up with holes and whenever I moved and met my husband, my husband and his friends had never watched it and his family also. And over Christmas we played it. So his, uh, his family could watch it and it's now his sister's favorite movie, but I like to spread the awareness of holes because a lot, a lot less people than I expected have seen it, but all of the storylines that come together and all of the plot twists, it's just so beautifully done. Because there's like a story within the story about yes. Kate Marlowe. Yes. yes, yes, who is a queen. Uh, all right, so we're coming up on the end here. Uh, I just wanted to ask you real quick. So 10% of the company's cut of book sales goes towards an organization of the author's choice. Now you chose the Wolf Conservation Center and I can see there being a theme between the content of the book and this, uh, but if you wanted to expand a little bit on why you chose this particular organization, uh, we'd love to know. Yeah, it is a hundred percent because the book is centered around werewolves. And I figured if I get to pick the charity, then I would want it to go towards wolf conservation because they play a very integral part of ecosystems and people are just scared of them. So they'll get like shot and all this Mm -hmm. other bad stuff. So the conservation of different wolf species i thought was just perfect to go with the werewolf book yeah and uh anyone who's interested in checking them out or donating i recommend uh, once again it's wolf conservation center reached out to them because we we reach out to organizations to see if we can use their logo at the end of the book on the donation transparency page and they've been very great to work with they are enthusiastic about being featured and they did want to review the content because typically organizations want to see what they're being associated with which is fine so as of now we have permission to feature them and they are very excited and I don't foresee them finding any issue but again it's been it's been really great working with them so I recommend that everyone checks them out so Rachel yeah do you have any social media or blogs pages or author website that you want people to check you out on so I did make a Facebook page that is just Rachel Balky dash author um and i am trying to use that as any writing related updates of course i always use my personal one but i don't want the masses knowing my personal one <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's not really my only one because i don't i don't i'm like an old soul i don't really understand how to use uh instagram for promotion and stuff so yes. just focus in on the facebook's <laughs> Right there with you. Before creating the company, I didn't really have any social media presence. I had the accounts because, you know, growing up, your friends have them too, but I never was active. So I had to learn. So I I, I feel you. So that's all that I have for you. Is there anything that I didn't mention that you wanted to highlight or let people know? Um. I guess like the one thing I'm hoping with this book is that nothing turns out down the line to be problematic (laughs) because I've noticed in some of the YA novels I grew up with and loved, you realize like 
oh, this relationship was toxic or that mm-hmm. theme is not okay. Um, yeah. For example, because you brought up Twilight earlier, I loved the books when they came out. Yes. As an adult now, I'm like, I would not let Edward treat me the way he treats Bella. It's yeah. not romantic. <laughs> I would say... Good news, fingers crossed. I think you're relatively safe from anything aging poorly. Actually, you know what? I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I think I know where you're going. And he yeah. was on purpose. So. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. That's what I was <laughs> yeah. going to say. You're All not right. supposed to want that. <laughs> of course. All right. So thank you for your time, Rachel. A- again, this has been... Uh, our interview with Rachel Balke. She is the author of Lisa of the Alpha Line coming out March 29th, 2023. And again, you can buy it ebook or paperback at uh, wanderingmindspublishing.com. If, if it is before the 29th of March, you can pre-order it now, or you could wait till it comes out. Pre-ordering, just make sure that we know how many people want to order it ahead of time because our books are handmade so they do take some time so we do appreciate getting an idea of how many people are interested in the book ahead of time so we have that time to craft them so um it's been great and uh, i look forward to the next time that i get to talk to you and thank you once again for your time rachel thank you for having me That was my interview with author Rachel Balke ahead of her release of Lisa of the Alpha Line. 10% of Lisa of the Alpha Line book sales go towards the Wolf Conservation Center. Lisa of the Alpha Line is available for pre-order and is fully released on March 29th, 2023 at wanderingmindspublishing.com bookstore. Stay tuned for the next episode where we take a little bit of a turn. In episode three, we will not be talking to an author ahead of their release. In fact, we'll be exploring our first topic that is besides reading another topic within the creative space that has been getting a lot of heat lately. I will be talking with artist Rustin Yazdanpour on AI tools in the creative spaces. If you are interested in what Rustin has to say about AI tools breaking into the creative space and how things have changed the conversation and the relationship within the creative community, be sure to keep an eye out for episode three coming soon. Thank you.